Euzu billahi mineşşeytanirracim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi rabbil alamin. Ves salatu ves selamu ala seyyidina Muhammedin ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ecmaîn. Allahumme allimna ma yanfa'una ve anfa'na bima 'allamtana ve zidna ilmen nafi'a. Allahumme arinal hakka hakkan ve arzukna ittiba'a ve arinal batila batilan ve arzukna ictinabe. Rabbi şrahli sadri ve yessirli emri ve ahlul uqdatan min lisani yefkahu kavli. Esselamu aleykum ve rahmetullahi ve berekatuh. Welcome to the Reflections on the Risale-i Nur by Bediüzzaman Said Nursi podcast series. This is Mustafa Tuna. You can listen to the episodes of this series wherever you listen to your podcasts or at the website www.reflections-rn.org. In this episode, inshallah, we will continue reading the 10th word. The 10th word is about the verity, reality of life after death, bodily resurrection, and the realities of, of the hereafter. It is a lengthy treatise composed of three sections. The first one is a parable, a representational story. The second one is an introduction to the third section and also an opportunity for Ustad Nursi, the author of the 10th word, to point out some of the indications in the representational story to connect it to the third section. The third section is the main one and it provides 12, what Ustad Nursi calls truths. 12 arguments, uh, logical arguments, for the existence, verity, reality of the hereafter and bodily resurrection. Each of these truths start by observing something in the cosmos, then from that infers attributes of the creator who has created this cosmos, and this is being done under the guidance of the Quran, and then asks, so a Lord, God, whose attributes we observed in the cosmos, and that is corroborated by uh, his message to us, can he not give hereafter, not create the hereafter? Is it possible for him not to create the hereafter? And when we say possible here, we do not mean, is, does he have the capacity not to create it? Obviously, God does whatever he wills, and he has the capacity to do as he wills. What we are asking is, is it logically possible for us to infer from what we observe that he will not create the hereafter? And in each of these truths, each time this question was asked, the answer has been, no, it is not possible. It is impossible. And if it is impossible, that means the opposite of that is necessary logically. And therefore, we can. this entails that God will create the hereafter. Now, this is a very brief summary. And again, this is a lengthy treatise. If anyone who is hearing this episode has not listened to the previous episodes, it might be better for, for them to go to the beginning of the 10th word, at least the very previous episode, and then come to this one. Inshallah, we will read the English translation of the 
beginning part of the 10th truth that we had covered in the previous episode and then we will continue in our usual way by reading the Turkish and the uh, translation side by side and also reflecting upon what we read. But in the first part of the episode where I will be reading the English only of the part that was covered last week, I'm not going to read the Turkish. So, Bismillah. Tenth Truth. This is the gate of wisdom, solicitude, mercy and justice. It is the reflection of the divine names, the wise, the munificent, the just and the mercy giver. Al-Hakim, Al-Kareem, Al-Adil, Al-Rahim. Is it at all possible that in the circle of the lands, and in the realm of the dominion and domination of a majestic owner of dominion, who demonstrates such vast wisdom, such obvious solicitude, such overpowering justice, and such ample mercy in this unlasting guest house of the world. This non-continuous arena of testing, and this impersistent display house of the earth, is it at all possible that there shall not be continuous abodes, eternal inhabitants, lasting stations, and resident creatures, and thus the reality of this visible wisdom, solicitude, justice, and mercy shall be reduced to nothing? And can it possibly be that among all creatures, that all-wise entity, God shall make this human being a universal addressee and an encompassing mirror to himself, have him t taste and measure the contents of the treasuries of his mercy, introduce them to him, make himself known to him through all of his divine names, love him and endear to him, endear himself to him, and then not send that desolate desperate human being to his eternal lands, not invite him to a continuous place of felicity and make him felicitous. And is it reasonable at all that he shall put on each being, even if it is as small as a seed, a load of duty as big as a tree? He shall mount on it as many wisdoms as the flowers of the tree, and attach as many benefits as its fruits, yet assign to that duty, those wisdoms and those benefits, a purpose facing the world, small as a seed alone. That he shall make each being's worldly existence, which does not have as much significance as a mustard seed, its purpose that he shall not make them, that duty, those wisdoms and those benefits, seeds for the realm of meanings and a cultivating field for the realm of the hereafter, so that they yield their true and worthy purposes, and that he shall let so many, so many important ceremonies with such importance be purposeless, hollow and futile, he shall not turn their faces to the realm of meanings and the realm of the hereafter, so that he would reveal their actual purposes and worthy fruits. Yes, is it at all possible that by doing these things in this way, which contradicts reality, he shall make them appear to be qualified with the opposites of 
all-wise, the munificent, the just, and the mercy-giver, which are his actual attributes. God forbid, then again God forbid, and that he shall belie the reality of the entire cosmos, which indicates his wisdom, munificence, justice, and mercy. He shall reject the testimony of all existent beings, and he shall cancel the evidential indication of all artifacts of creation. So this is where we le left in the last episode, and for reflections upon this uh, section that we read, again, one should go and listen to the previous episode and then come to this one. Today, inshallah, we will continue from where we left. Hem hiç akıl kabul eder mi ki, insanın başına ve içindeki havasına saçları adedince vazifeler yükletsin de, yalnız bir saç hükmünde ona bir ücreti dünyeviye versin. Adaleti hakikiyesine zıt olarak ve hikmeti hakikiyesine münafi manasız iş yapsın. We will continue asking these questions. And could the intellect accept that he, God, shall put on the human being's head and on the peculiar qualities that are in him as many duties as the number of his hairs? Yet, in return, he shall give him a worldly reward that is in effect worth a single piece of hair alone. He shall commit a meaningless act that contradicts his God's actual justice and stands in opposition to his actual wisdom. So here the point is about the peculiar qualities that are given to human beings. All living beings, as we talked before, have certain qualities that enable them to appreciate some aspects of creation, some attributes of God. The sheep, for instance, when it finds a really delicious herb, has pleasure from the herb. And that pleasure is a form of gratitude that the sheep is offering to his Lord. For plants, the very fact that they are living and they are growing and they are blooming their flowers and they are um, reproducing. All of these are manifestations, reflections of uh, the many names of God that are manifest on them. And by doing what they are doing, the plants are manifesting those attributes. When it comes to human beings, as we read before, Human beings are the most comprehensive mirror to the Lord. And they have peculiar qualities that other beings do not have. That they are rational being one of these. A human being is usually defined in logic, rational animal. Yes, human beings are rational, but they are many other things. They have many other faculties imagination being one of them imagination is an important aspect of the human nature human uncorrupted human nature that allows him to move from the earth 
to the very end of creation wherever that might be and have all of them in mind let's say while praying to god and presenting his gratitude through this imagination a human being is able to have the entire creation in mind and present his gratitude on behalf of the entire creation and intend them all together or as Ustad Nursi talks about in detail in another treatise, the very sense of ownership that the human beings have. You know, we all have objects that we think that we own. But when we think about it, if we ourselves are owned by the owner of everything, then how can we be owning them? This is just a metaphorical expression that we use. We do not even own our fingertips. They don't behave the way we want them to behave. We do not own our stomachs. We do not make them digest. We are not even aware of what is going on there. And they do not stay with us. They all depart at some point. So in that case, how can we say that we own them? Somebody else owns them. But we still have this sense of ownership. And that sense of ownership helps us understand his ownership. Because if we did not, did not have this notion, this concept, this sense, then we would not be able to understand that he is the owner of everything. And that is one of our duties in this world, in this life, our First and foremost responsibility is to know our Lord in order to worship Him. To worship Him and knowing Him is a requirement, a prerequisite of that. To know our Lord in order to worship Him. This is just one example. In that case, while we have all these peculiar qualities, would the intellect accept that He, God, shall give us human beings a worldly reward that is in effect worth a single piece of air alone. Everything that we were to go through was limited. If it, if, is it possible that everything that we go through in this world is limited to our material and temporal existence of however long our lives are? However long they are, they come to an end. And all that ends is short. So there is a disparity here. Something does not compute. Let's continue. Hem hiç mümkün müdür ki bir ağaca taktığı neticeler, meyveler miktarınca her bir zihayata, belki lisan gibi her bir uzvuna, belki her bir masnua, o derece hikmetleri, maslahatları takmakla, kendisinin bir hakimi mutlak olduğunu ispat edip göstersin, sonra Bütün hikmetlerin en büyüğü ve bütün maslahatların en mühimmi ve bütün neticelerin en elzemi ve hikmeti hikmet, nimeti nimet, rahmeti rahmet eden ve bütün hikmetlerin, nimetlerin, rahmetlerin, maslahatların menbaı ve gayesi olan beka ve likayı ve saadet-i ebediyeyi vermeyip terk ederek bütün işlerini abesiyet-i mutlaka derekesine düşürsün, Ve kendini o zata benzetsin ki öyle bir saray yapar. Her bir taşında binlerce nakışlar, her bir tarafında binler zinetler ve her bir menzilinde binler kıymetler 
alat ve levazımat beytiye bulundursun da sonra ona dam yapmasın, her şey çürüsün, beyhude bozulsun, haşa ve kella. And of course this was a long sentence, uh, but it is beautiful and under, going to be understandable inshallah. And is it at all possible that he shall prove and demonstrate that he is an absolutely wise one by attaching on each being, in fact, on each of its organs, such as the tongue, and in fact, on each artifact, so many wisdoms and benefits as the quantity of results and fruits that he attaches on a tree. So he does all of this, but then he shall reduce all of his acts to the lowly degree of absolute futility by not giving lastingness, reunion, and eternal felicity. Reunion, of course, with the Lord. We are all yearning for him in everything that we love, in everything that we are attracted to, in everything that we appreciate. He is the source of that love, appreciation, yearning, source and target. Therefore, we are yearning for reunion with him. And that we will be given bodily resurrection and there will be a, a, a kind of physicality in paradise too, means that we will not be completely deprived of those things that are the means for our uh, for our access to to our knowledge of our Lord in this world either. There will be fruits in the paradise. They will be similar to what is in this world, but they will also be different and much superior. But there will there will there will be that sense of familiarity. That will remind us and there is pleasure in that in that sense of familiarity there is pleasure and in that sense of surprise in everything that is new and different there is also pleasure we will see the people that we know in this world and and we love for god's sake inshallah in the paradise they are the means in this world for our access to a knowledge of our Lord and in them we love those attributes of our Lord and ultimately our Lord himself and they will be there so there will be a reunion right is it at all possible that he shall reduce all of his acts to the lowly degree of absolute futility by not giving lastingness, reunion, and eternal eternal felicity, which is what human beings want and desire and are yearning for. And as Ustad Nursi says elsewhere, he would not give, God would not give wanting that desire if he did not want to give what is desired eternal felicity which is the greatest of all wisdoms that is giving lastingness reunion and eternal felicity is the greatest of all wisdoms because we see wisdom in this cosmos in this temporal reality that we are living in 
but it is all limited. It is limited by the limitations of the temporal life that we have here, the physicality and temporality of this life. But if one were to perpetuate all those wisdoms, then that would be the greatest of all wisdoms. Giving somebody a source of pleasure for a moment and then depriving him off of it is not actually a bestowal because you now create this desire for that thing in this person and you are not giving it to him any longer. A child who has never eaten chocolate, who doesn't know what chocolate is, who has never tasted it, does not desire chocolate. But if a child who has eaten chocolate, is used to it, knows the taste, has developed appreciation and desire for it, if you put the chocolate, dangle the chocolate in front of that child and not give it to him, that would be torment. Our Lord won't do that to us, wouldn't do that to us. The greatest wisdom is to perpetuate the wisdom, which is the greatest of all wisdoms, the most important one of all benefits and the most essential of all results. That which renders wisdom, wisdom, blessing, blessing, and mercy, mercy. And the font and purpose of all wisdoms, blessings, instances of mercy, and benefits is perpetuity. Without that perpetuity, blessings cease to be blessings. Wisdom ceases to be a wisdom. Mercy ceases to be mercy because, again, if you were to prepare the most magnificent feast and invite people as guests to this feast and put them in this palace, beautiful palace, perfect temperature, perfect smell, perfect humidity, all surrounded by uh, ornamented scenes and changing scenes, servants all around, food is delicious, all sorts of comfort and entertainment everywhere, and told them, welcome, you are my guests, enjoy yourself however you want to enjoy, this is all for you, but this is all for you for two hours, at the end of two hours, as you are leaving, you will all be beheaded, who can enjoy that food? Who can enjoy that feast? The feast ceases to be feast. The mercy ceases to be mercy. The wisdom in that everything has a purpose ceases to be wisdom. That food is there to please the guests who are there. That it has a purpose of pleasing them, for instance. And then perhaps in return, they can have gratitude to the host. Ceases to be wisdom. How can you enjoy it? You cannot. And thus, so by not giving perpetuity, by not giving lastingness, but by not creating the hereafter, is it possible, would the intellect accept that he will reduce all those wisdoms to nothing or very small very small thing and thus he shall cause himself look like a person who builds such a palace with thousands of engraved embroideries on each of its stones thousands of ornaments all around and thousands of precious tools in each of its rooms 
but then he does not build a roof on it. Everything rots and spoils for nothing. Is, it, is that possible? We know of a person who is so wise and just and merciful and powerful, knows everything, has knowledge. And he builds a building with beautiful, so much expense goes into it. And then he decides not to build a roof on it. And it rains, the elements of the nature over time corrode and corrupt. And everything goes to nothing. Everything spoils. Is that possible? We cannot imagine this for a worldly individual that we identify as being so perfect, knowledgeable, wise, powerful, and so on and so forth. How can we associate that with God? Therefore, we say, right, as, as it is said at the end of here, God forbid, and by no means, we cannot accept that. We cannot accept that. Hayır mutlaktan hayır gelir. Cemil mutlaktan güzellik gelir. Hakim mutlaktan abes bir şey gelmez. From absolute good issues good. From the absolutely beautiful one issues beauty. A futile thing does not come from the absolutely wise one. We look around and we observe absolute goodness. We observe solicitude. We observe a concerned assistance. We look around and we observe beauty, unending beauty, profuse beauty. And we understand from that that the one who is creating all of this with such beauty is absolutely beautiful and he has absolute power to give beauty in, in perpetuity there is no end to his ability to create beauty and there is no end to his beauty because one who is not beautiful who does not have the attribute of beauty cannot create beauty a futile thing does not come from him. We look around and we see that there is purpose to everything. Everything serves a purpose and everything matches one another. There is such perfect harmony here. Everything works in perfect order. There is one exception. Enter human beings, enter partial human will. There seems to be something that's not computing there. And that, of course, leads us to understanding that, well, if everything is so perfect and this one thing is such an exceptional exception, that means there must be a purpose in him being created that way too. But we cannot compute that in the material temporal existence that we are observing here. Therefore, we can infer from that that there must be something larger something beyond this something perhaps after this and then the creator tells us there is something beyond this they they corroborate one another they stand in such good harmony from absolute good issues good from the absolutely beautiful one issues beauty 
A futile thing does not come from the absolutely wise one. Evet, her kim fikren tarihe binip mazi cihetine gitse, şu zamanı hazırda gördüğümüz menzili dünya, meydanı iptila, meşheri eşya gibi, seneler adedince vefat etmiş menziller, meydanlar, meşherler, alemler görecek. Suretçe, keyfiyetçe birbirinden ayrı oldukları halde, intizamca, acayipçe, saniyin kudret ve hikmetini göstermekçe birbirine benzer. Yes, whoever embarks on history in his mind and travels toward the past. Remember we just talked about imagination? You can't tell this to a, to a lion or a cat or an elephant. You can't tell a cat, so in your mind, embark on history and travel toward the past. But you can't tell this, you can't say this to a human being. And he does that with his intellect, with his uh, imagination, and also other faculties. The emotions are involved. When we remember something, the hormones that were released at the time that we experienced that thing, to some extent, are released in our bodies. So there is an emotional aspect to this too. It's, there are many aspects to it. That There are many things that distinguish human beings. Yes, whoever embarks on history in his mind and travels toward the past, he will see already dead rest stations, arenas, places of display and realms to the number of years that are like the rest station of the world. Like imagine yourself traveling backwards in history. At the end of each year, you will see that what is to come is dead. And then you move on one more year to the past and you see the previous year as it is dying at the, at the, at the point when one year transfers over to the other year you will see them all dead. When you travel in the direction of the past, you will see them materialize before your eyes, but then you will also see them all dead, because if they did not live, they would not be able to die. We'll see dead rest stations, arenas, places of display, and realms to the number of years that are like the rest station of the world. Now, in your mind, also compare it to the world that you are living in, the present one, like the rest station of the world, the arena of tribulation and the display of things that we see. Once we embark on, on history and travel and see them all dead, what is the conclusion? What is the inference? What is the knowledge that it, that it will produce in our minds and hearts? the present moment, the present year, the, the present day, that will also come to an end. It will also die. Suretçe, keyfiyetçe birbirinden ayrı oldukları halde, intizamca, acayipce, saniyin kudret ve hikmetini göstermekçe birbirine benzer. Although they differ from one another in terms of form and qualities, so although Let's say this year is different from 50 years before now in terms of form. 50 years before now, we did not have computers. Uh, 
our clothes looked slightly different there were different fashions different materials that were being used for textile um, we had we had different concerns problems issues and there were the, the world population was different the world uh, so the there are differences in forms and qualities between different time periods that we observed uh, when we embarked on history and traveled toward the past. Although they differ from one another in terms of form and qualities, they resemble one another in terms of orderliness, amazingness, and demonstrating the artful maker's power and wisdom. So that they are different in form and qualities does not mean that they necessarily produce different meanings when we look at them we can see that there is there is something that runs through the whole thing in literature they call this a thorough line a thorough line of the book a, a theme that is always there so what is the theme that is always there and that makes them resemble one another? They resemble one another in terms of orderliness, amazingness, and demonstrating the artful maker's power and wisdom. Hem görecek ki o sebatsız menzillerde, o devamsız meydanlarda, o bekasız meşerlerde o kadar bahir bir hikmetin intizamatını, o derece zahir bir inayetin işaratını, o mertebede kahir bir adaletin emaratını, o derece vasi bir merhametin semeratını görecek. Moreover, he will see in those impersistent rest stations, non-continuous arenas and unlasting places of display, the order of such a vast wisdom, the signs of such an apparent solicitude, the symptoms of such exceedingly overpowering justice, and the fruits of such ample mercy. Times change, forms change, the nature of certain things change, but there are things that do not change. First and foremost among them is that Everything that exists at all times are created by the Lord and are being sustained by the Lord and owe everything that they have to Him. Therefore, in those impersistent recitations, non-continuous arenas, and unlasting places of display, and these are common concepts that Ustad Nursi uses in order to refer to, let's say, the world. The world is a rest station. On a long journey, we stop here for 70 years. And if we were to compare to that, let's say, a journey of one year, that would be a couple of minutes, maybe. And arenas, we are all gathered here. We are not alone. And it's a wide space where there are lots of things going on. And places of display on those arenas, there are displays, there are exhibits. Things are not purposeless. Things appear to serve a purpose and also they are here for display. They are not the real things. They are demos. They are models of the real things. It's so vast, so big, but at the same time, they are here for display. 
because they are not lasting. They are all being taken away. The order of such vast wisdom, the signs of such an apparent solicitude, the symptoms of such exceedingly overpowering justice, and the fruits of such ample mercy. That is what he will see. The one who travels to the past, that is what he will see. This is regardless of which time frame, regardless of which year on the calendar, regardless of whether it was before human beings were created on earth or after human beings were created on earth. It is always there. It is always in existence. And what that means is that what you observe there is the reflection of someone who is not bound by time and any kinds of limitations. Basiretsiz olmamak şartıyla yakinen bilecek ki o hikmetten daha ekmel bir hikmet olamaz ve o asarı görünen inayetten daha ecmel bir inayet kabil değil ve o emaratı görünen adaletten daha ecel bir adalet yoktur ve o semeratı görünen merhamet, merhametten daha eşmel bir merhamet tasavvur edilemez. So he will observe all of this and then he will know. On condition that he does not lack inner sight. He does not lack the ability to infer knowledge truly without being shackled by, by the evils of the lower self and delusion and the whisperings of Satan. He will know on condition that he does not lack inner sight that there cannot be more perfect wisdom than that wisdom that exists. A more beautiful solicitude than that visible solicitude, the one that is in existence, that's actual, that we are seeing, is not possible. There is no justice that is more majestic than the justice whose symptoms are visible, and a mercy that is more widespread than the one whose fruits cannot be conceptualized. A mercy more widespread than the one whose fruits cannot be conceptualized. That is, it's beyond our imagination. It all comes from whence we do not expect. We do not calculate on it. We do not see it coming, but then it comes. He is more merciful than we can possibly imagine what this all means, of course, is once again, reality is beautiful. Reality is beautiful. And reality is full of wisdom. Reality is full of justice. Reality is full of mercy. And reality is full of solicitude. It is all there. We all see. If we were to get on uh, the train of time and travel to the past, we would see it not only here, but all through. But we would also see that they disappeared. They died. We will also die. And if that was the end of it, that would mean a reduction of all this beauty, mercy, justice, and wisdom to nothing. Because all that ends is short. All that ends ultimately amounts to nothing. And that is not something that we can accept. Eğer farz-ı muhal olarak şu işleri çeviren şu misafirleri ve misafirhaneleri değiştiren Sultan-ı Sermedi'nin 
daire-i memleketinde daimi menziller, ali mekanlar, sabit makamlar, baki meskenler, mukim ahali, mesud ibadı bulunmazsa, ziya, hava, su, toprak gibi kuvvetli ve şumullü dört anasırı manevi olan hikmet, adalet, inayet, merhametin hakikatlerini nefyetmek ve o anasırı zahiriye gibi görünen vücutlarını inkar etmek lazım gelir. If to suppose the inconceivable, and here the word that is used is muhal, not only not possible but inconceivable. Sometimes there are things that are impossible in reality, in existence, but one can think of it. This is not even thinkable. So to suppose the inconceivable, what that means is we will now have a thought experiment. We will think if this is conceivable and doing that should show us that it is not conceivable. And therefore it should help us cultivate our conviction about the opposite of it. So if to suppose the inconceivable, continuous rest stations, lofty places, permanent ranks, lasting abodes, resident inhabitants, and his happy slaves did not exist in the circle of the lands of this perpetual sultan. And of course, this is this should be clear to everyone by now. Continuous rest stations. This world, again, is a brief rest station on a long journey if the entire human existence life is, let's say, a day long. This, might, this world might be a few seconds, maybe a few minutes. Not more than that. And that even that is a metaphorical conception of reality because in, in reality, that is an unending day. There is no end to it. So in comparison to that, it is almost like a, a brief period compared to endless time. But, but, if that was all of it, if in the circles of the lands of this perpetual sultan, and we know that the sultan is perpetual, he is eternal, he is beginningless, he is endless, he is everlasting, he is perpetual. And what we see is what we see, but his lands, his property is not, is not limited to what we see. There can be more, there should be more, because his, his power is much greater than can be contained in what we see here. So if beyond what we see somewhere in his possession, continuous rest stations, lofty places, places that are worthier of manifesting him and his, his reality, his attributes, than what we see here, permanent rank stations, like those in the paradise that will be given to believers in accordance with their ranks, with the Prophet ﷺ being on the very top in the Jannatul Firdaus al-Ala and those who follow him, his companions, having his company there too, and those who follow his model, his sunnah, also getting close to there, perhaps joining the, com the, the companions over there. And then those who will be at the very bottom of 
the paradise too. So these ranks, each manifesting some combination and aspect of some of God's attributes and, and, and names. So each continuing to have a function there, but now, this time, a perpetual function. Not one that ends with the end of one's appoint, appointed time in this world. So if all of that did not exist in the circle of the lands of this perpetual sultan who affects these things and alters these guests and guest houses, who does all of what we see here. And the alteration is important because if, if something is continuously changing but it is continuously replaced, then we know that there is a source from which it is being replaced. And that points to him being perpetual, God being perpetual. So if that was not the case, if he did not have somewhere where his names and attributes would manifest as befits him and permanently, we called it the seat of his power. If that did not exist, then it would become necessary to banish the realities of wisdom, justice, solicitude, and mercifulness as four metaphysical elements that are powerful and widespread like light, air, water, and earth. Why like light, air, water, and earth? Well, in ancient philosophies, they thought that these were the four elements of which everything else was made. Perhaps we could think of it similar to the elements on the periodical table now. Those are the elements that are the foundational uh, substance that make everything. And they are everywhere. They are widespread. If everything is made up of a combination of these four, then they are going to be everywhere. They are going to be pervasive and, and they, are, they will be powerful. They will be the things that are least mutable that are least destroyable because when you destroy something you just take it apart but the the fundamental substances that made it continue to exist so if god did not create the hereafter then it would become necessary to banish the realities of wisdom justice solicitude and mercifulness as four metaphysical elements that are powerful and widespread like light air water and earth and to deny their existence, which is visible like those apparent elements. If water is visible, wisdom is visible. If air is visible, justice is visible. If, if, if there is water out there and you see it and you know that it exists, then, then solicitude is like that. If you see earth and you know that it exists, you know that mer mercifulness exists in the same way, with the same level of obviousness. How do we know? That's all we have been talking about. No need to go into more detail about that. But the idea here is that, remember we talked about traveling in history and we said they may be different in form and qualities, but there is something that, that goes through, a theme that is constant throughout, throughout the narrative. Events change, characters change, places change, things change, but there's a theme that is constant. History changes, humans live under different circumstances, but wisdom, 
justice, solitude, and mercifulness that define their existence, that give them, them existence, and that also defines the existence of everything else in the creation continuous. It was there a million years ago, it was there a billion years ago, and it will be there until the end of time and thereafter. These are the constants of existence. Everything in creation manifests God. And that is why some have said that the reality of reality of creation is God's names. Asma, the divine names. Because that is what is constant. That is what is not mutable, not, not changeable, not destroyable. That is what does not vanish. That is what, what is not replaced. That is what is continuously and constantly there. But if life was going to come to an end with the, the earth disappearing from the scene, if provision was going to come to an end with another big bang or some kind of a bang, then that would mean that wisdom, justice, solitude, and mercifulness would also need to come to an end. That is unthinkable. They are unmutable. They are irreplaceable. They are indestructible. Çünkü şu bekasız dünya ve mafiha onların tam hakikatlerine mazhar olamadığı malumdur. Now, why would this mean denying the existence of those realities? Because it is known that this unlasting world and all that is in it cannot be the place of appearance for their complete realities. They have complete realities and they, those are boundless. Those are magnificent, majestic and boundless. But this world is bounded, limited. How can this world which is bounded, be the place of appearance for the complete manifestation of those boundless realities. That does not make sense. Uh, Ustad Nursi also gives this metaphor of uh, imagine yourself at the uh, skirts of a mountain, perhaps in front of a, a, some large boulders that come together and make a, a cliff, a wall of rock. And you see that there are these little cracks in the rock and water oozes out. And then they afterwards gather somewhere and make a nice stream, a small stream perhaps. And imagine that you lived there all your life. And you know that this water has been oozing out of those boulders all your life. You know that they, they oozed out for many centuries before you. And you know that if God gives continuity to earth, they will continue to ooze out. You know that what is oozing out at a given moment or throughout your life cannot be all that is out that is there. There must be a lot more water. There must be a reservoir which is so big that it looks like it is unending. It will never come to an end. However, this little crack on the rock cannot be the place of manifestation for that reservoir. The reservoir must be big, maybe as big as the mountain and perhaps even bigger than that. Like that, what we observe here 
in this temporary temporal physical world are God's um, attributes the manifestations of God's attributes just oozing out let me see the demos these are small examples the reality is endless boundless how do we know because it is it keeps coming oozing it keeps oozing and oozing and never comes to an end and there is no indication that it should end then we know that the source is boundless the source is endless the source is infinite unlimited because it is known that this unlasting world and all that is in it eğer başka yerde dahi onlara tam azhar olacak mekan bulunmazsa o vakit gündüzü dolduran ziyayı gördüğü halde güneşin vücudunu inkar etmek derecesinde bir divanelikle şu her şeyde bulunan gözümüz önündeki hikmeti inkar etmek şu nefsimizde ve ekser eşyada her vakit müşahede ettiğimiz inayeti inkar etmek ve şu pek kuvvetli emaratı görünen adaleti inkar etmek ve şu her yerde gördüğümüz merhameti inkar etmek lazım geldiği gibi şu kainatta gördüğümüz icraatı hakimane ve ef'ali kerimane ve ihsanatı rahimanenin sahibini haşa, sünne haşa, sefih bir oyuncu, gaddar bir zalim olduğunu kabul etmek lazım gelir ki nihayetsiz muhal bir inkılabı hakaiktir. If a place that will be a complete place of appearance for them does not exist elsewhere either, it doesn't have to be here. Because existence is not limited to what we can observe. But it can be somewhere else in, in our Lord's possessions. If it does not exist elsewhere either, then with a lunacy that reaches the level of denying the existence of the sun, even as we see the light that fills the day, that kind of lunacy, it would become necessary to deny this wisdom that exists in everything and that is before our eyes. This wisdom that exists in everything and that is before our eyes. To deny the solicitude that we observe in ourselves. And that is a really good place to observe things. Solicitude, this care and concern and assistance. Next time you, you, see, you put a morsel of food in your mouth, chew it and swallow it. Try to follow where it goes. You will notice that you will lose sensation of it. You will not know where it is. You will not feel it. You will not have control over it. But your stomach will digest it. It's going to go through your intestines and the nutrition will be taken out of it. And in a couple of hours, probably, it will turn into energy that will help you move around, think. Some of it is going to be going to become protein that will make your muscles there will be calcium sucked out of it that will go to your teeth and bones. Which one of that are you doing? None. You have no control over it. But since even before you were born, somebody is doing this for you and taking care of it, looking after you, helping you digest food and inhale air and, and, and take the oxygen from the air and take throughout your body. Somebody is helping you exist and live and enjoy. Even at times when you were insolent. For some, even at times when they deny him. 
he is manifesting himself with solicitude and in ourselves is a very good place to observe it but if the hereafter did not exist it would become necessary to deny the solicitude that we observe in ourselves and on most things at all times it would become necessary to deny this justice the utterly powerful symptoms of which are being seen and to deny this mercifulness that we see everywhere and at the same time it would become necessary to accept that the owner of these wisdomful executions munificent acts and merciful bestowals is god forbid and again god forbid is a lowly prankster and ruthless oppressor imagine a person who is sitting before a child let's say one-year-old child not being not able to speak yet but able to eat who is strapped up in a, a feeding chair and this person has a bowl of nutritious delicious food that the child really loves in his hand and a spoon and he takes a little bit in the spoon and brings it close to the child's mouth the child opens his mouth perhaps extends his his, his neck a little bit and is trying to you know bite the spoon and the person pulls it to the side and then dangles it in the air and moves around a little bit and brings closer to the child's mouth lets the child take a little bit just a taste of it and then smiles and just turns the bowl over and dumps it all in front of the child's eyes now the child just tasted it he, he is hungry he needs it he loves the taste he wants it he is eager to get it he is he is you know, burning to get it but this person just dumps it why just for the fun of it that's the prankster that's the prankster that we cannot think our lord to be that is an endlessly inconceivable assumption that's inconceivable and the very reversal of reality that is the reversal of reality the reality is that our lord has solicitude has mercy but if this world was the be all and all if he came to this world strapped up in it not being able, able to move beyond these bodies and beyond this physicality and if we all were given a taste of it and we loved it and we want satiation and we now need satiation but that is not given we just die we just die or the world is taken away away from us no that cannot be the end of it if it were this would be the work of a prankster and no our lord is not a prankster he know that he is approaching us and everything else with mercy justice wisdom and solitude hatta her şeyin vücudunu ve kendi nefsinin vücudunu inkar eden ahmak sofistayiler dahi bunun tasavvuruna kolay kolay yanaşamazlar even the most idiot sophists who deny the existence of everything along with the existence of their own selves would not readily attempt to conceptualize this and sophists here uh, uh, refers to a group of people who in ancient greece would teach rhetoric and and ways of argumentation to people so that they would go and make careers out of this in the way perhaps 
uh, the law schools may be teaching their students now but in their argumentations they would not try to reach truth rather they would try to just convince people and as a result of that they would make all sorts of arguments that would fall in the uh, rubric of logical fallacies but people they, they would do this in such an artful way that people would not recognize uh, that they were falling into logical fallacies so this was at the beginning a sort of arts but over time it came to be used for people who were relying on all sorts of seemingly logical argumentations to prove all sorts of things and one among them is uh, skepticism which is uh, which at sometimes amount to to just denying the existence of everything yeah we talked about all of that and you provided all this evidence to me but what if all this this is all a fancy of some imagination somewhere maybe in our minds maybe, maybe you don't exist maybe you are just in my imagination if a person came to this point we could call that a sophist right but Ustad Nursi says even the most idiot sophists who deny the existence of everything along with the existence of their own selves would not readily attempt to conceptualize this why because this is not only impossible it is inconceivable when the sophist denies the existence of everything he is talking about whether something is in existence and or not in existence but what we are talking about is inconceivable it is at the level of imagination and intellect not possible in this paragraph there is a side note in which Ustad Nursi gives a brief but really forceful definition of justice but I think we are out of time and I'm going to leave that to the next episode. Uh, inshallah, in the next episode, we will try to read this side note and then move on to a section in the 10th truth where Ustad Nursi says Al-Hasl, that is in conclusion. I'm hoping that we will be able to finish the, the 10th truth in, in that episode. Before I uh, conclude though, I would like to announce that the episodes of this podcast are now available on YouTube and not all of them but inshallah they, they will all be available on YouTube and I understand that when people go there and leave uh, marks of appreciation in YouTube this helps the word to spread inshallah that might be a, a useful venue for those who have not heard of the Risale Nur and Ustad Nursi to be introduced to this to this precious source of knowledge wisdom and uh, enlightenment spiritual enlightenment that god has blessed us with in the times that we live in subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma 'allamtana innaka antal alimul hakim wa akhir da'wahum an alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin al fatiha